Um, so just before I get started in the message tonight, um, I do want to look at those poll results. Is that something we can get on the screen there? Because my phone is being funny. There it is. Okay, so how many people have you dated ever? So the options are zero, I'm still waiting, one to five, six to 10, 10 to 50, how you doing? <laughs> Anyone here watch Friends? Joey? Yeah, that's what I was going for. And then 51 plus, I'm a machine. We just really had a good chuckle about that one. So let's see what you crowd uh, voted for at this point. Okay. Hey, 20%, how you doing? <laughs> Eight are waiting, 52. Okay, right on, cool. I was just curious to see what that was going to say before we, um, we dive in here on the sermon on dating. Um, I just want to take a moment right now to say hello um, to the Brentwood campus. And specifically, um, I saw Seth Curl today, and he said to say hello from the video. So hi, Seth. And then Pastor Carolyn got jealous and wanted me to say hi to her as well. So hello to both of you and the rest of the Brentwood campus, and also to those online who may be watching this on YouTube. And uh, this evening, uh, or this weekend, we are starting a new sermon series um, called Close Calls. And so to start off uh, tonight, I want to invite uh, Tom Morehouse and Ali Legacy up, and we're going to do a little bit of an interview with these two next gens. Of course, we know that not only next gens are, are dating at the moment, but a lot, like, it, it's kind of a universal thing for next gen, so we thought, let's just interview a couple of them. How you guys doing? I'm doing good. That, are you doing good, Allie? Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. So I just want you to answer, you know, pretty, pretty briefly, pretty honestly. First question, um, why do you date? Um, I date for two reasons primarily. I have long-term goals. I want to get married someday. And I also have uh, short-term goals. <laughs> the parents are applauding. <laughs> that's a good long-term goal. That, I think yeah, that's very okay. valuable, yeah. My short-term goals is like, I'm, I'm bored sometimes. I want to shoot off fireworks, and it's more fun to do it with a woman than... That's valid. Um, Allie, why do you date? Um, I date for the same long-term, like, reason, like, eventually I would want to get married, and it's nice to be with someone, like, right now, like, at, at, like, a teenage age, it's nice to be with someone, like, help you through everything and stuff. Okay, cool. Um, what is your favorite thing about dating? Oh, um, the com companionship. <laughs> Where is everyone's heads going? <laughs> oh no, I, I, I enjoy the companionship, and I also like to uh, flex my creative muscle. It gives me a chance to uh, come up with some crazy ideas, so that's, cool. my, that's my favorite part. And Ali, what's your favorite part? Um, my favorite part has to be, like, spending time with the other person. Okay, cool. And what's the worst thing about dating? Oh, the cost. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> The money? Yeah, I've, <laughs> my, my girlfriend right now lives in Dieppe, and I live like right around here, so gas is unreal. <laughs> That's awesome. Allie, what's the worst thing about dating, in your opinion? Um, a lot of it. <laughs> what? <laughs> a lot of it, I guess. A lot of it, okay. The drama. Yeah, the drama. <laughs> what? Yeah. These are the days of our lives. All right, um, do you have one piece of dating advice for those listening, particularly those coming behind you in the dating world? A I, I have two advice. pieces, Jen. Okay. Number one, 
you got to be responsible. You're, you're dealing with another human being right now. They have feelings and uh, emotions. you got to be careful with that. And I'm mostly looking at my brother right now. Number two, you have to put in an effort. <laughs> man, effort? Moose, man, you, <laughs> Moose, you got to take a shower every now and then, man. Like, <laughs> Showering is good. Comb your hair. I Come recommend on, it. I recommend it, yeah. And okay, so shower. <laughs> I actually, I think that's good life advice. <laughs> I, I, um, okay, so Allie, uh, any dating advice that besides showering? <laughs> well, that's pretty good advice. Yeah. But um, I think that if something bad ever happens, don't give up and don't think that like it's going to be the end of the world. And just kind of like trying your hardest to move on and like surround yourself by good friends to help you through bad endings. Okay. Friendships are important through it. That's true. Okay. Thank you guys very much. Give them a hand. Um, so as I said before I call those two wonderful next gens up here, um, we're starting a brand new teaching series this weekend called Close Calls, where we are discovering God's call in all of our close relationships. So back in the fall, Dave and Brent uh, approached me about starting off this series with a message on dating. And honestly, when they first asked me, I hesitated a little bit because I am 28 years old and I'm still single. So that begs the question, do I know how to date well? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I just don't know how to date too well, and that's why I'm still single. Um, or actually, maybe God is calling me into something, which we're actually going to be talking about singleness in a couple of weeks, and I'm preaching again, so if you don't like my preaching, then sorry. Um, but I'm up here again in two weeks. Um, so my dating history, to be honest with you, is a little colorful, and honestly, I think for a lot of us, it is. Um, and many of us are still getting to know ourselves as we go through this dating journey. We mature and we grow up uh, in and amidst all of our relationships, which is why things can get messy. Dating is definitely a huge topic for the next gen, so I'm assuming that's probably why Dave and Brent asked the next gen gen to preach this sermon on dating. So before we get started, I want to ask you, um, what is dating? If you had to, you know, tell a little kid, what is, dating? what is dating? What does it mean? What would you say? Um, and so we actually talked about this a little bit because I didn't really want to like look it up in the dictionary because that's just a funny way to start a sermon. Um, but uh, Dave actually came up when we were discussing the outline that dating is about the search. Um, it's the pursuit of a life partner to commit yourself to for the rest of your life. Um, that's why we date. And actually that came out in both what Ali and Tom said. Um, in the book of Genesis, in chapter 2, verse 24, it says that God created Eve to be Adam's mate. And from then on, it would be customary for a man to leave his parents and be joined to his wife, and the two would become one. The world of dating started then. But as we all know, the Garden of Eden and all of its perfection didn't last long, and pretty soon Adam and Eve were out on their own, away from God because of their sin. The world of dating exists in this sin-saturated state. Consequently, dating has gotten quite complicated. Um, today we're going to talk through three types of challenges that come up with dating. Um, and if you have your um, little smart devices, the outline is on there so you can follow along. And there's also the paper copies floating around as well. So you can kind of take notes and follow as we go. So first, let's talk about the cultural challenge of dating. Dating has certainly evolved since Adam and Eve. 
for them it was pretty basic. <laughs> like, hi, you're the only other person on this earth. We should probably, you know, hang out or something, go get coffee. Um, <laughs> so in the old, yeah, there probably wasn't Starbucks there. That was a good point, Leah. <laughs> so that would be my, no, I'm not going to even go there. Um, so back in the Old Testament, um, dating actually wasn't really done by you know, the man and the woman. It was actually done by the man's servant. A servant would actually be sent out to pick up a wife for his master. The woman would return with the servant and be married to the man, and that was it. And if you want to read an example of that, um, in Genesis chapter 24, you can read about Isaac and Rebecca, and that's kind of how they got together. The servant went out and said, all right, Rebecca, come on back. You're going to marry this guy, and that was it. Um, so let's fast forward a little bit to the 1800s. Uh, in the 1800s, dating was all about courtship, and uh, I was researching a little bit about this and was fascinated, actually, by what I learned. Um, some of the stuff from here, we actually still do things because of it today, which I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Um, so back in the 1800s, dating was all about courtship. So a man would work to woo a woman so that she would fall in love with him. Now, this was interesting. A woman would not go out by herself with a man if they weren't married, because that would actually look inappropriate. Um, so she would actually bring a chaperone on the date with her and this guy. Um, so once the couple got to know each other well enough, the man may ask the parents permission to spend time with their daughter without the chaperone being there. Um, sex was absolutely forbidden outside of marriage. Like, that just didn't happen ever. Um, men would also ask the girl's father for his daughter's hand in marriage. And this wasn't actually just for courtesy, like some people do today, but it's because that women were actually considered the property of the man in her life, so whether it was the father or then the husband. Um, so that is why today girls actually change their last name when they get married. It goes all the way back to this, when the woman would kind of change ownership from the father to the new husband. Um, in this time period, the fathers would also give a financial incentive um, to the guy for choosing his daughter. And that's why today um, it's pretty customary for the bride's family to pay for the wedding. Did not know that, thought it was kind of cool. Um, so that's the 1800s world of dating. Um, so what about today? I know all of you are like, oh man, it's not like that. Um, so in 2013, dating is all about social status, it's about sex, and it's about searching to fill an emotional void. Um, do you not believe me? Literally, as I was starting to work on this part of my sermon yesterday, I got um, a message on Twitter, one of those like spam people, um, offering me free online sex as I was writing this sermon. And about an hour ago before that, I was watching the show Friends on TV with my mom, and they were trying to figure out who Rachel was sleeping with in this episode. And it turned out it was the red sweater episode, and it was Ross's, and it was a big deal, yeah. Um, so about a month ago, I was on vacation in Jamaica, and those guys are pretty, pretty relaxed when it comes to love and all that stuff. So I was actually given some dating advice while I was on a sailboat ride out around in the water. And this is what the guy said. He said, if it feels good, just do it. Doesn't God want you to enjoy life and show love to others? And I'm like, not sure that's biblical. I told him I was a pastor, but anyway, this is what he was telling me. Um, just the other day, Pastor Dave sent me uh, a news article from the CBC website that said between 2006 and 2010 in the province of New Brunswick, teen pregnancy has risen 40%. That's four zero, not one four, four zero. I have so many stories that I could share with you about some pretty interesting views on dating. And if I shared all of them with you, we'd never get to like, you know, the rest of the message. Um, people have said things to me like, 
before you commit to someone to get married, you need to make sure that you are physically compatible to make sure stuff, you know, works right. Because what if you get married and then you find out? Then it's like, oh, oh no, we have to get a divorce. Um, so I, I've, people have told me that. That's why they don't wait until marriage to have sex, because they need to make sure it all works before they commit to that person. I even have some Christian friends who slept with their partner long before they were engaged or married. And when talking about it later, they said, well, technically, we were married long before this day because we got married when the two became one. I'm not making this up. I actually know several couples who have actually used scripture to support this belief. There really are no rules, regulations, or boundaries on dating at all in today's culture, at least from my perception of it. Now, I'm not saying here that the Bible Old Testament times and the 1800s are the picture-perfect models for dating, and now we've just all gone and it's all over. I mean, in Old Testament times, um, women didn't have any free will. The servant said, you, go marry this guy. Okay, and off you went. And in the 1800s, men treated women as objects to be won from their fathers. So not really condoning that either. Kind of like, you know, the more equality women and men, because that's a good thing. So it's not that it was perfect then and it's not now. It's just, it's definitely shifted. Um, Morally speaking, it is in present day dating that diverges the most strongly from uh, the biblical standard. Pop culture will, will push all of our kids away from Jesus and our understanding of sexuality in the New Testament. The thing is, you can't even say what I just said to youth these days, because as soon as you start talking about rules and standards, People, next gens especially, get really uptight because in this age of pluralism, what's right for you might not be right for me. So you might want to wait for marriage, and that's fine, but me, I, that's, I'm not doing it that way, and you can't really tell me what to do. Um, actually, though, there is some real chemical and biological evidence to support the God standard of relationships. I don't think God just made all these rules to be like, I just want you to wait because it'll be fun to watch you squirm a bit. There's actually like biological reasons why it's kind of important to wait to do this stuff. Um, so think of your heart like a glass of clean water. Maybe like this one. Actually, I'm going to have a drink before I change it. So every time you date somebody, some of them stays with you. And the further you go with them, the more of them will stay. So let's just say you date one to five was pretty common. So you dated one to five people. So I'll say four. And you didn't really do that much with them. You just like, like you didn't go very far physically or anything. You just like dated a little bit and that's fine. So then that goes in there. And then what if you dated like, what, 10 to 50 was like one of them, wasn't it? The how you doing one? So that'd be a few more. But what if for those ones you like, you didn't just like, you know, date and maybe kiss or something. What if like you went a little bit far? Then like a lot of, a lot more of you went into that person. And so after a little while, your, your heart, your life, is not going to be really that white anymore because you would have dated all of these people and maybe done some things. And at the time, you're like, I'm going to do what I want and this feels great and maybe I am going to marry this person because, you know, I'm 18 or 19. Um, but then something happens and it doesn't work out. And then you're left with that. <laughs> You can never take uh, what those people put, put in there out of your heart, no matter how much damage they did. The more you date, the more color that's going to go in. And whenever you do marry, that's what you're going to be bringing into the relationship. Is it really any wonder in today's world that over 50% of marriages are ending in divorce? 
We are messing with our hearts and our minds so much that we are no longer fit to love one person well. We are damaged goods. We are definitely not dating the way that God intended. We've taken what is supposed to be a great thing created by God and have put our selfish and sinful mess all over it, and we've ruined it. Good thing God forgives, though. (laughs) So how we date is a direct reflection of the culture that we live in. In Old Testament times, sending your servants away to do your work was pretty customary, so why not send him to fetch your wife, too? And in the 1800s, courtship of the girl and honor towards her father were the key steps to dating. Both of these methods were relatively biblical in terms of their moral standards. But today, our culture's method of dating is nowhere near what God intended. The tension we must live in is how do we date in today's society according to God's will? And this is the biblical challenge. You see, if we don't consciously steer ourselves down a new path, we're gonna default to the culture's norms. We, we don't really have a fighting chance. We're so saturated with sex that we're barely even gonna notice it's happening. And uh, just yesterday when I had the radio on in the car, if you put on like K94.5, I dare you to count the minutes or even the seconds until you hear something about dating or love or sex or sleeping with somebody. I was listening to Lady Antebellum on the drive here today, actually. The song Own the Night, I don't know if you know them. And basically it's going on about like you have this one night together and then you wake up and know that you're never gonna speak again. But hey, we owned the night and it was awesome. And I'm like, wow, this is everywhere. Like even in like the bands that, you know, don't seem that bad. It really is everywhere in culture. But the Bible is not calling us to that. The Bible calls us to be transformed. And the key verse that we're kind of centering this message on tonight is found in Romans chapter 12, verse two. And this is what it says. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. This verse is often used to talk about life in general, but it can be applied specifically to our dating life. We're not meant to copy the behaviors and customs of the people on TV or the people singing on the radio or even our peers at school or in the workplace. God wants to transform us by changing how we think about dating. I know there are those of you out there who feel like you you aren't really complete unless you're in a relationship with somebody else. Um, I'm going to address that issue a little bit more deeply in a couple of weeks when I talk about singleness. But for now, can I just say that God has an incredible plan for your life that does not include dating 50 plus people just to fill a void. That's not God's plan. And God is more than enough for you and for all the things that you need. If you let God guide you and change the way you think, you will have less desire to date as the world does. When we let God change how we think about dating, we'll learn what his will is. And his will is good, pleasing, and perfect, as it says in that verse. Why do we think that we could figure out our dating life better than God can? We can't. Even if there is a 10-year-old, a nine-year-old child listening to this message, God knows exactly who you are going to marry. He knows where you're going to meet them. He knows where you're gonna go on your first date, where and when your first kiss will be, and he knows the names of the kids that you're gonna have, even if you're only 10. We will never have that kind of insight into our dating life, how could we? So it really makes more sense to trust the one that knows our future and knows where we're headed. Our culture says to do what feels good. Just go and do it. It says that life will be better as long as we're in a relationship with somebody else. But God doesn't say that. 
God says to follow him and he will give us the desires of our heart. Clearly, our cultural norms and the biblical standard for dating don't jive, they don't mesh at all. And so we come to our final challenge, which is the discipleship challenge. How do we grow in our understanding of dating as we seek to follow Jesus, love God, and love others? It really is gonna come down to two things. It comes down to wisdom and honor. These are the two rails that we can ride to help keep us on track as we pursue God's standard of dating. <laughs> as I was writing this part of my message, my dad was working on his model train layout. So I was like, hey dad, I'm talking about train rails. He's like, right on, that's good. <laughs> anyway, too bad he's not here, but that's okay. Um, so we're gonna talk about the two rails that we can stay on to help us follow God's path for dating. So the first one is wisdom. So what comes to your mind when you think of wisdom? To be completely honest, I initially thought of Gandalf from Lord of the Rings with the big beard. He's like, he looks really wise and smart, he knows stuff. But wisdom isn't just reserved for those types of people or the people that have multiple letters after their names because of all of the degrees and stuff they have. Every single one of us in this room from the youngest to the oldest can have wisdom. And actually we talked about this um, at Rooted Bible Study last week for the high schoolers and middle schoolers that were at Rooted. In James chapter one, it says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. If we ask God, he will give us wisdom. It says it right there in James chapter one. So practically speaking, what does wisdom in dating look like? It could look like you asking God if being alone with a member of the opposite sex is a wise decision. I could probably tell you the answer, but if you need to think about it, then ask God that and he'll tell you. Uh, maybe you could ask God if it's wise to date somebody else that doesn't follow Jesus. You can ask God if it is wise to listen to music and watch things on TV that display the world's standards of dating. What I'm talking about here this weekend is not easy stuff, but if we are going to be transformed instead of conformed, we have to make some changes. God can give us wisdom through the people around us as well. Whether it's your parents or a trusted friend, you need to let others be speaking into you about your relationships. Don't you just hate it, and this has happened to me before personally, don't you just hate it when you've been in a relationship for a while, a pretty long time even, um, but then you break up with them because you realize that he or she was bad for you and it just wasn't going to work out. And then after you break up, your friends say, wow, I'm so glad you guys broke up because I saw you going down a, a, the wrong road for a really long time. I mean, why would you do that to your friend? <laughs> if you have a friend who is dating the wrong person, can you please just tell them now so that they can not do something that they're gonna regret? And if you're in a relationship yourself and you don't even know what other people are thinking, just ask them. Ask your friends, ask your parents, what do you think about so-and-so? How do you think this is going? I know sometimes us younger people, us next-geners, and I'm still in that bracket for two more years. Um, I know sometimes we don't always appreciate the advice of your parents, but you know, often they know us better than we think, and what they have to say might be great advice, and I'd really take a listen to that. Um, my last serious relationship, when it, it finally did end, my mom came into my room like crying with happiness. <laughs> she was so overjoyed that I had broken it off with this guy because she's like, I just really didn't like him and he didn't like, he didn't drive with our family and I was so afraid you were going to marry him. And I'm like, 
and you didn't tell me? Like, <laughs> that would be good to know. Um, so I just really encourage, you know, on both sides, parents, kids, like, be talking about these things. Um, speak wisdom into each other's life and be willing to accept that because dating is serious stuff. Like, if you're going to marry this person, you want to have input from people around you. You can also gain God's wisdom when you ask yourself uh, the question that I asked to Ali and to Tom. Why do you date? If your answer to that question is, well, I date for fun, um, to make me feel better about myself, or to make out, maybe, um, you might want to reevaluate why it is that you're dating. Remember, dating is all about the search. It's the search for that one person that God has planned for you to marry. If you're not ready to get married in the next couple of years, is it really wise to even be dating at all yet? <gasps> oh no, what did I say? I'm really going countercultural here now, but just think about it for just one second. Just, just stay with me. If we're trying to remain pure until marriage so that our hearts don't turn the color of that, um, but you find your future spouse when you're 13 years old, well, then what are you going to do? Are you going to wait for seven years or however long until you get married before you do anything physical? Like, can you really wait that long? Because I have news for you in case you didn't know. Humans aren't wired that way. Physical intimacy is okay, and God actually designed us to be intimate with another person. We're, we're created for it. But in today's world, it's highly unlikely that you're going to be married at 16 years old. And I'm wondering, is that even legal? I, I, I'm actually asking. I don't even know. It might be older than that. But it's highly unlikely that like, people in this room under 16 are going to be married by the time they're 16 years old. That, that's pretty young. So if you're not going to marry at 16, then why would you start dating someone way before then? You're setting yourself up for disaster. Remember, the point of dating is to get married. So if you're not ready to get married, should you even be dating about dating? I mean, just think, what, what are you achieving? What are you setting yourself up for? Just saying. Think about it. It's also really important to ask God for wisdom while you're in a relationship. The second you know in your heart that you're not going to marry that person, I just get out of there. You're, I mean, you're, you're going to be okay. I wonder if one of the reasons divorce rates are so high is because people just kind of settle in their relationships, and they don't really ask God if this person is his will for them. Um, God's not going to hold back your wisdom, so ask for it. I just, I hate to think that people don't even ask for wisdom, don't even be like, well, I've been dating this person forever, and we don't really hate each other's guts, so yeah, I'll just marry this one. Man, like it gets dicey, but I've been in conversations with people like that. I have had my own thoughts uh, when I've been in relationships. I've been that close to doing that exact thing. Um, it's just really, you can really do some damage down the road. So just ask God for that wisdom. Is this the right person for me? And if it's not, then what am I doing? Why am I still dating this person? Because you're just, you're like, you're, you're just, you're just playing. Like there's, there's just no point. I, I, I don't think, you know, why would you want to do that? Anyway. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm rabbit trailing all over the place tonight. It's good times. So um, we've talked about wisdom. After wisdom, we need to practice honor in order to follow Jesus in our relationships. Honor was a big thing back in the day, but in recent years, it's kind of left the building. Who should we be honoring in our dating life? I think we should be honoring God, the person we're dating, our future spouse, and also our parents. There's that word again, parents. We've already looked at honoring God through asking for wisdom and seeking to be transformed by his spirit. When we honor God with our lives, we are obeying scripture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, it says, 
God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. If you think about honoring your boyfriend or girlfriend while you're dating them, it will probably curve some impulses that you may have. You can show honor through mutual respect, through setting appropriate boundaries, and being truthful and honest with that other person. You can even honor your future spouse while you're dating, even if the person you're currently dating isn't going to be your future spouse. And remember the colored water, and remember also what Pastor Dave talked about in the Sermon on Adultery last month. Imagine that everything you do, say, or think in your present relationship was going to be recorded for your future spouse to see. Would you be okay with that? Has your relationship been pure and above reproach so that you have nothing to hide? Or has it not? In dating, also, you should be honoring your parents. I've already mentioned parents a couple of times back in the wisdom section. Parents are smarter than they look. You'll learn this as you get older. And they can really help you as you navigate the dating world. Honoring your parents is a direct commandment from God in the book of Exodus. It says to honor your father and your mother. If they ask you to wait until a certain age to date, I would just do it. If they insist on not letting you be alone with your boyfriend or girlfriend, I would actually thank them. And uh, actually, we had this discussion in our meeting that there are parents that have sent, set these boundaries for their kids. Like, okay, well, we don't really think you should date until you're this age and, you know, and all these types of things. And the kids have actually come back and said thank you because in high school sometimes there can be a lot of pressure to get into relationships. And sometimes just by parents setting that boundary, it's like pressure's off me now because I'm not even allowed to date yet, so I won't even bother trying to get into all that. So it can actually be a huge help um, for your kids' parents if you have that discussion. Um, these parental rules are actually really going to help you to date biblically. And just a note for parents, um, just don't set up these rules and then just close the book and walk away because we already talked about how we don't like just getting rules and regulations and, and that's the end. <laughs> Setting these rules up for your kids without discussing it with them is going to set you up for failure. I mean, all you're doing in the best case scenario is delaying the inevitable read. The second they turn the required age, they're going to do whatever they would have done at an earlier age anyway. So talk with your kids about why you feel these guidelines are important and about how Christians are called to date. Keeping these communication lines open will be a huge blessing as your child grows up. I mean, why not start a conversation about dating with your eight-year-old? It'll be easier to start now than when they're 17 and already in a serious relationship. Now, if your kid already is 17 and in a serious relationship, it's never too late to start these conversations. Just please invest in those awkward moments that will bring clarity to your child as they enter the dating world. No matter who you are, everyone has or will date somebody. It is a normal human experience that all of us share. As we strive to follow Jesus, it's important to decide how we are going to approach dating. As I said earlier, today's cultural norms are much further away from the biblical standard than they were in earlier times. But then again, even in those times, things fell apart when people failed to follow God's standard for relationships. In many ways, cultural and societal norms have been tripping us up all throughout history. We cannot rely on cultural norms to define our relationships. We just can't. We need to move from what the culture says to what God says. If God is to be at the center of our search, we need to follow him. We need to seek his wisdom and show honor. God will guide us to the one we are meant to find. Dating is all about the search, so let's do our best to search well. Let's just take a moment to pray.
Dear God, I thank you so much for the way that you have um, created us to be in relationships, God. And I thank you for the search of dating and of trying to find the one we're going to marry. God, we know that you intended um, the marriage relationship to be a great thing. But God, in our culture, we've just messed it up so much, God. We've turned things black and we've done whatever we wanted to whenever we feel like. And God, we can get our hearts so messed up that we don't even know what's right anymore. Um, God, I just pray that you will help us to fight the norms of society, God. The, the radio songs and the TV shows that tell us that it's fine to um, date all in the wrong order and do certain things before others when that's not the way you've intended it, God. I just pray that you will help us to look into your word, to ask you for wisdom, God, that we would ask those around us for help, that we would be able to talk to our parents or a trusted friend um, about our dating life. And God, I just pray that you will be with us on this search as we seek out the person, God, that we know that you have ready for us right now. God, I just thank you that um, you love us and that you forgive us, God, in spite of all the wrong that we've done. And God, if there's someone here um, uh, listening to this message that is feeling like they've done some wrong things in their dating life, God, I just pray that um, they would ask for your forgiveness, God, and help them to know that you're going to wash them white as snow. God, I thank you for your forgiveness and for a, a, a second chance, a third chance, a twelfth chance. And God, I just pray that as we, um, as we continue to date, as we are out there, as we're trying to find um, the one you've called us uh, to be with, that you will go before us and that you will guide us and that you will protect us. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.